Welcome, educators, and thank you so much for joining me at the Teacher Summer Reboot. I first want to say thank you for your hard work and your commitment over this past school year. Our world has changed and is still changing in response to COVID-19 coronavirus. I pray that you are well, that you're safe, and that you're ready to reboot for the next school year. I'm Trey Gamage, an education consultant, and I help K-12 schools implement SEL programs and practices. I also host the DASH podcast, and we now have over 150 episodes featuring educators who are solving problems for school communities. And in January of 2020, my first book was released, Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. It's a social and emotional learning workbook for middle and high school students. So before we get started today, be sure to download your course workbook so you can get the most value out of our conversation and access to all of our resources. Our conversation today is centered around three ways you can implement restorative social and emotional learning practices in your classroom. Thinking about getting back started with this school year, what we can't do is start the year off focused on content. You and I have to be willing to support students in ways that our school system has been very reluctant to in the past. You, just like every student, comes into class with your own social history, as charming or alarming as it may be. However, fortunately today, we're more equipped as educators than ever before to transform these obstacles into a platform for opportunity. You might have been in school during the 9-11 terrorist attacks or even during the 2008 recession. This year, we are entering school after a global pandemic. The world literally stopped in its tracks. Since we're going to refer to social and emotional learning and restorative practices a whole lot today, I want to define what those mean to me so that way we're on the same page. SEL has five core skills according to CASEL. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and decision-making. We're going to break those down today in, in more detail. And then when we look at the other side of restorative practices, it actually stems from restorative justice which at its core involves repairing harm and restoring relationships. With restorative practices, building and maintaining community happens through communication, emotional connection, understanding, and meaningful relationships. Think about your students, about what they've been through in 2020. How is this global pandemic going to impact our kids? How has it already impacted you? Now is the time to think forward in anticipation of the impact that Rona is gonna have, a global pandemic on our classroom, our teaching style in this school year. Here's what the rest of our conversation is gonna look like today. First, we're gonna discuss your current restorative practices. There's four foundational practices and it's likely that you already use them. So we're gonna talk about how to integrate them on purpose. Then we'll cover the cycles of social and emotional learning. There's two cycles of SEL, and the first part is about understanding yourself, and the second part is about understanding others. Finally, we're gonna cover the three restorative SEL practices that you can use in your classroom. So again, if you haven't already, download your course workbook so we can have some fun. During my first two years as an educator, I hadn't yet heard of SEL. 
but we were still developing these skills in our students. I learned quickly living with 45, 11th, and 12th graders at a state-funded residential high school that certain skills you just don't learn from pedagogy. I mean, these kids were absolute geniuses. Taking classes like organic chemistry, 16th century Spanish literature, and other courses that still make my stomach hurt today. At the same time though, they were haunted by anxiety, false expectations, and rigor that barely allowed for rest. So that's where my role came in as a residence life coordinator to develop students far beyond the classroom as people. To do that, we hosted Kendrick Lamar listening sessions to break down the significance of his lyrics into Pippa Butterfly, to build social and cultural awareness. There was also one October where I invited students into my apartment to make breast cancer awareness cookies to build community. We had hall meetings weekly to celebrate successes, address behavior problems, and plan competitions or challenges across campus. How do you connect with your students? How do you build community and cultural awareness with your students? Even if you aren't at a residential high school, these four examples are the foundation of restorative classroom practices. First, it's about building connection and community. This starts with your interaction with each student. Remove the negative preconceptions from their last teacher or what you heard about the student in the hallway and let them know you, believe in them and their potential. Second, practice empathy. Communicate openly and honestly. When there's a disruption or a mistake, seek first to understand the perspective of all parties involved. Be the model of empathy for your students. Third, creating a set of shared agreements or classroom rules that your students get to participate in. You may have school-wide rules and your own classroom rules, but you can also allow students to participate in the journey of the ownership of those classroom rules. And the fourth restorative foundation is shared accountability. Recognize when words or actions have caused harm in your classroom and allow students to participate in repairing that harm. Are you already using these practices? It might happen naturally, so when you are intentional about what you're looking for, you can anticipate opportunities for students to practice during lessons, during activities, in impromptu conversations that you're having in your classroom. Reinforce their skills by reminding them of your shared agreements throughout the school year, taking in the perspectives, sharing accountability, and ultimately building a community. Using restorative practices requires emotional intelligence. In education, we call this social and emotional learning. Developing SEL skills is a process that both students and adults go through to understand and manage emotions, to empathize, to maintain positive relationships, and also make responsible decisions. In the classroom, we teach who we are. So how you show up and respond matters. Not knowing how your baggage, your bias, and your blind spot show up in your classroom can be much more disruptive than any of your most challenging students. I can still remember my second education role as an emotional coach for teachers. On my first campus visit and observation, it was clear that teachers were not equipped to redirect student behavior without disrupting instruction. 
Every disruption caused a reaction instead of a redirection. This is why we need SEL. Matter of fact, did you know that six of the 10 skills identified by the World Economic Forum involve social and emotional competence? This helps to explain why 96% of administrators, 93% of teachers, and 81% of parents believe that SEL is just as important as academic learning. Before we talk about our three restorative practices to using your classroom, let's dive deeper into social and emotional learning. The first cycle is the personal loop. This is when you begin to understand yourself. It includes self-awareness or your ability to recognize your own emotions, thoughts, and values and understand how these three things influence your actions. You can practice self-awareness by learning to name your emotions all the way up to a hundred different emotions. Identify your strengths, understanding cause and effect of your actions. Awareness has a tremendous impact on self-confidence and self-esteem. Secondly, we have self-management. This is how you regulate your emotions, thoughts, and actions in the way that you feel in various situations. To practice self-management, you can start by setting goals and following through on those goals with self-control and discipline. Recognize that how you feel is a choice. And then after you are understanding yourself, you can learn how to understand and empathize with other people to build strong, long-lasting relationships. In that social loop, we include social awareness. Practice social awareness by being curious and interested in others, looking for the best in the people you surround yourself with, and recognizing verbal, nonverbal, and tonal cues. Fourth, we have relationship skills. Building these relationship skills means maintaining healthy relationships and having the ability to communicate what you need clearly. These skills can be practiced through teamwork, creative environments, and situations that promote risk-taking. You can allow failure in your class. Let your students know that it's actually your first attempt in learning. Relationship skills build bonds and transform groups into teams. The final competency of social and emotional learning is decision-making. This is where we make constructive choices about personal behavior and social interactions. You can practice by having a plan, a sense of purpose, direction, and focus to think about ways to add value to other people. These skills are more important now than ever before as us as educators and for our students. We cannot start this year focused on content. We have to be ready and willing to restore the harm that's been done by the coronavirus. That means supporting students in ways that our school system has been reluctant to in the past. 75% of current students and recent graduates, as recent as 2018, said that they want to attend a school that emphasizes the development of these social and emotional learning skills because they understand the long-term value and benefits. But at the same time, only about 20% or less believe that their school is doing a pretty good or even a great job at helping them to develop these skills. This is where you can stand out as an educator, being focused and intentional about developing social and emotional learning competencies. So let's continue to move forward to the three restorative SEL practices you can use in your classroom. 
To build a strong, trusting classroom environment, all of your students have to feel respected, accepted, and feel significant. As we go through these restorative SEL practices for your classroom, think about how they're gonna look in your classroom environment. We can't restore a community if we haven't taken the time to build the community. We can't skip ahead to the end of the process and expect our students to understand the impact of their actions, to take responsibility, and to work to repair the harm that was done. These skills are built over time, the same way we build math and reading skills. This is a quote from the Chicago Public Schools Restorative Guide and Toolkit. So up first for our three restorative SEL practices is your relationship priming plan. There's four quadrants to this priming plan that take 15 minutes each to complete for a total of 60 minutes. You can choose to complete one cycle a day until the cycle is complete or take an entire hour out of your day and complete all four quadrants. I recommend completing all four quadrants once a week for the first three weeks of school and then as needed after that. Quadrant one, setting expectations. Discuss your classroom rules and your school-wide expectations to create consistent rewards, consequences, and expectations. Even if you already have your own classroom rules, allow your class to collaborate with you so that they have a felt need to follow your classroom rules. The second quadrant is to model these expectations with an I do, you do, we do model, or you can look in your resource section of the course workbook to find a template to our relationship priming plan in 25 behavior role play scenarios that you can adapt to your classroom environment and needs to practice each of the rules and expectations that you've set for your classroom. The third quadrant is probably my favorite. This is the teacher show and tell. Let your students get to know you. Oftentimes we spend a lot of time getting to know them, but we never let them in to who we are. Last year, I brought in my college football jersey and the semifinals trophy from the 2016 World Championship of Public Speaking. I took about five minutes to share my stories, and then I opened up the floor for about 10 minutes for students to ask me questions about my experience. This way they can start to see me as a person first and not just a teacher. The fourth quadrant is just playing the game. Everybody loves a game. Heads up, seven up, Jeopardy, charades. We all love them, no matter what the grade, no matter what the age, we all love playing the games. Up next, rinse and repeat once a week for the first three weeks of school. I'd also consider repeating this plan after a long weekend, after each quarter ends, and if rules are broken consistently. Our second restorative SEL practice to talk about today is making reflection a daily habit. Reflection can be built into your morning routines, into your lesson plans, into your group work, and even modeled by you. Let's start there. Teacher modeling. Strategically seek opportunities to model reflection through your personal experience and storytelling. Tell your students about a time when you made an assumption that was wrong, or a time when you offended someone and how you recovered from it, or when a friend might have hurt you and how you dealt with that. This is helping them to learn the process of reflection. And if you're open and vulnerable with them, they can be open and vulnerable with you. 
in your planning, anticipate the opportunities that you'll have to, to bring the real world and reflection into your practices. Oftentimes we think that vulnerability is a weakness or we think it's going to take away our authority or people will think that you're soft, but it's so not true. When you communicate openly and authentically with your students, you're building a community and a connection. Another way to practice reflection and make it a daily habit, using a self and group dynamic reflection. After a project or a small group, ask your students to reflect on the experience. A few simple questions are enough. Did you stay on task and use kind language even when you didn't agree? Did you work effectively and not waste time? Did you take turns and allow everyone to add value to the conversation? Ask your students to share their reflections with each other and set goals for the next time they have to work in the same group together. Reflection helps students understand how they think. A third way that you can practice reflection in your classroom is to stop class when something isn't going well and discuss what the problem is. We don't need to get angry and react. Respond by telling them what you notice. You all aren't participating. You're not engaged. Invite them to help you understand what's going on so we can get back on track. And our third restorative practice of the day is your restorative circles, which are way more than restorative. There are so many types of circles. You have talking circles where you can be proactive with your community building. They can be used as daily check-ins, set classroom agreements, teach SEL skills, and even give feedback. Another type of circle is a peace or re-entry circle. This is how you welcome a student back to class following discipline or after a conflict happens in your classroom. You can use a circle to repair that harm. There's also celebration circles where you can celebrate the accomplishments of your scholars over the entire year or celebrate their grades as well. Circle rituals and structures help students and adults to think through questions and issues and they can also help to de-escalate or resolve conflicts with multiple people. There's seven steps to planning and executing a restorative circle. First, think about your opening. How will you start your circle? Is there gonna be a poem, a book, a quote, a breathing exercise, or a story that you're gonna to use to get everybody centered and focused? Second, introduce your talking piece, an object to denote whose turn it is to talk and make sure all the people are in a circle together on the same level, on the same plane. Number three, check in. A reflective question to get you rolling, to get everybody feeling good and in the mood to have this conversation. Number four, use your shared agreements and classroom rules to maintain the expectation and integrity of your circle. Five, think about what needs to be addressed in the circle. What questions should you ask? How much time do you have? Circles can be quite time consuming. So there's times when you want to do them quick. There's times when you need to take a lot of time. Number six, check out how you are feeling in the circle. And number seven, close the circle with a comment, quote, song, or story. With these three restorative SEL practices, you are more than equipped to support and cultivate your students to be the best version of themselves. Through restorative practices, students learn to take ownership of their thoughts, their feelings, and their actions. They learn to understand the impact and the consequence of their decisions. 
and they build strong communities. Restorative justice is a mindset that puts the person first and allows culture to drive instruction. We cannot go into this school year focused on content. You and I have to be willing to support our students in ways that our school system has been reluctant to in the past. And today, we tackled three restorative SEO practices to help you do just that. Number one, we discussed your current classroom practices. You're already using them. Now it's about a mindset shift to do it on purpose. Second, we broke down SEL and emotional intelligence in practical terms. SEL isn't only for students, but for your entire school community. And third, you learned three restorative practices you can implement in your classroom to support students' growth behaviorally, academically, and personally. So what's next? Hit me up. I have so much more to share with you. Follow me on social media at Trey Gamage on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. And you can also go to my website, TreyGamage.com. While you're there, you'll see a pop-up to subscribe to the Dash podcast. We now have over 150 episodes featuring educators who solve problems for school communities. If you click the shop button, you'll be able to order your copy of Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School for yourself or for your classroom. It's perfect for a refocus area, a whole group reflection, or even just to take home as a gift. You can invite me to speak on the website. I've delivered over 100 engagements to over 10,000 audience members, including the 2016 World Championship of Public Speaking. Schedule the time to talk with me for a complimentary social and emotional learning inventory to assess how to maximize your current assets, resources, and talents in your classroom or in your school. And finally, for our flagship communication coaching program, this is to help you relieve stress, ease your mind, understand how to communicate with your peers, with your kids, with your husband, with your wife. We're going to give you a four-step action plan to be the best version of yourself. Now, these are three restorative SEL practices you can use in your classroom. Can't wait to see you soon.